Welcome back to the Vine Church podcast. Today, we are hearing from God's Word with this Sunday's sermon. If you haven't already, you can find us on YouTube at the Vine Church Odium and Church Crookham, and we'd love to have you join us over there. Now, in this part of Galatians, Paul is talking to the church in uh, Galatia, and he's talking to them about life by the Spirit. And he's actually contrasting what it's like human life um, under the law to life under the Spirit when you become a believer. So if you look at verse 19, we'll pick it up from there. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, fractions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Those are very familiar verses to those of us who are believers. We hear them a lot. And we use the phrase fruits of the Spirit a lot. But what Paul is doing there, he's contrasting human nature with Christ's nature. What it's like to be Jesus. He's talking about the characteristics of Jesus. Now, we know human beings have those characteristics, but nowhere near as well developed as they were in Jesus. And when we become a Christian, when we put our faith in Jesus, we have the Spirit, and that's how it works in us. Those things grow in us. But it takes time. It's not instant. There we go. I've got it. Isn't that wonderful? It takes time. And it has to grow over a period. And that's our Christian life. We grow, we develop, we mature. We go on a journey. And our journey is to become more Christ-like, to travel in that direction. But that takes two things. That takes practice, and it takes experience. There are things we have to go through. Now, I want to talk about one simple aspect of the fruits of the Spirit, one that, in my experience, is the least mentioned and is very rarely taught on, and that's patience. Now, when I say patience, you're probably wondering exactly what do I mean. Well, there's a definition of patience from the Oxford Dictionary which says it's calm endurance of hardship inconvenience, delay, or annoyance. And there are three aspects to it, and the way it works out. I think for most of us there are two, but for those of us who are Christians, there are three. The first aspect is, how do you deal with others, other people? We irritate each other. Part of being human is that there's a whole variety of human beings, and we're not all the same. And there's a lot of variation amongst us, and we will irritate people. People will irritate us, we will irritate them. I remember many years ago when I first joined a company, I was interviewed by the HR director, and I sat behind his huge desk looking at him, and on my side of the desk was a plaque, and it said, happy to help, just ask. And my experience of that guy was that was very true. He, that was, that was, he was a very helpful guy. A number of years later, I found myself working on a project, and I got to sit the other side of his desk. And then I realized on the back of his plaque, it said something different. It didn't say, happy to help. On the back of his plaque, it said, this would be a great job if it wasn't for people. 
And a number of years later, I got to work in human resources myself, and I totally agree with that. It would be a great job if it wasn't for people. It's a great frustration. We are frustrating beings. That's what we do. And we have to live with each other. There's also life itself, just dealing with life. We're in the middle of a COVID crisis. Last night, our government introduced new measures, and life has changed again, straight up in the air. Who knows what's going to happen next? We've got to replan, reschedule, and do things again. Again, just before I left where I was working, they set up a, a scheme where they were taking young managers, trainees, uh, graduate trainees, people who just joined the company, and they were putting them in small groups. And then in each of those groups, they would put a tutor or mentor, which was usually a director or senior manager. And I can tell you there's nothing that makes you feel more old than walking into a group of young people who are all younger than your kids, who treat you like you're some sort of oracle who's kept in a cupboard. But they actually were very good events. They were quite useful. And they were open. You could talk about anything. And I remember one person asking me, what was your biggest frustration? And straight away, without any thought, I could say, things don't happen fast enough. Because my experience of life, and commercial life especially, was they never did happen fast enough. You'd want things to happen. You'd plan for things to happen. And speed was not of the essence. Just making people understand and do things and make things happen was difficult. And in another session, I remember someone asked me, looking back over your long career, that feels great when someone says that, what was your most important lesson? What's the one thing you've earned? And I just said, things take time. Nothing goes at the speed that you've planned. I can remember taking over a department. We worked out what we wanted to do. We had a three-year plan. And then there was a global economic crisis. We did achieve our three-year plan. It took eight years. We got there in the end. But that's life. That's what happens. Life gets in the way. It happens to all of us, and we have to deal with it. We have to put up with it. But if you're a Christian, there's another dynamic. There's dealing with God, or specifically, dealing with God's promises. Now, there are sort of two levels of promises that, that apply to Christians. There's the general, the universal, the ones that apply to all of us. In this book, God makes amazing promises that apply to us all. We are adopted as his children. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the promise of everlasting life with him. These are all wonderful promises. They're amazing, and they apply to every single one of us. But we also have the specific promises, the personal promises, the things that God has said to us individually. And you all know what I mean. You're thinking about them now as I'm saying it. And because we have personal promises from God, we end up asking a question, and that question is, how long? How long? And if you're one of those people that is taking notes and he wants to write a title, what I'm talking about this morning can be summed up as waiting for God. How long? And it's repeated often in the Bible when you see people calling on God. The common call is, how long, God? How long will this carry on? When will this happen? And I know in my own life, that that's one of the things I've had to deal with. And it's something that God has been speaking to me about a lot lately, I suppose, with all the things that are happening. There's a lot of us questioning things and thinking about what's going to happen next, what's going on. But I can remember being in this building about 20 years ago, and we had a visiting prophet. Janice was talking about people from other churches coming and visiting. And we had a prophet come here, an amazing guy called Julian Adams. Some of you will remember him. And he brought amazing word of God to us as a church 
also to a number of us as individuals. And he said things to my wife and I that were very specific to us and our life. And they were quite startling. And one of them happened almost immediately by the next day. That got our attention. Another thing took a few weeks. Something else took a few months. One took 10 years to come to fruition, but it did. And one really big one that I want with all my heart hasn't happened yet. And I'm still waiting. I'm still calling on God. I'm still waiting for it to happen. But that's not unusual. You talk to any Christian. That's common. That's what we go through. We go through this process of waiting. And one of the difficulties with the Bible is that it's not very clear about waiting. It's a great book. It's got wonderful truth in it. But although it's chronologically correct, it jumps. And from one sentence to another, it can jump 40 years. God can make a promise, and then we see God's promise realized. What we don't get is the bit in the middle, the long period of time that someone went through before that promise came to fruition, maybe towards the end of their life. And that's never taught, really, never exposed. But it's something we go through. It's, it's the way we live. It's what we live through. And it's very important how we learn to live with that and handle it. Because what can happen is we can go the wrong way. We can become negative. And this is the human way. This is where our natural tendency will take us. We become frustrated. We start saying, well, when? How long? Then we get fearful. Will it ever happen? Will I ever see it? Will God really do it? And then we start to doubt. Did God really promise? Did I really hear that? Were they wrong when they said that to me? And it carries on and you get into disbelief that you don't believe it anymore. And it can take you down a route of despair and depression and anger. Why not? Why isn't it happening? We can go down that route. But it's not the route to go down. It's not the way we should go. And the best example of the way we should go is King David. Now, we all know the story of David, last of his tribe, the youngest son, shepherd boy, suddenly plucked out of obscurity and anointed as the future king. What happened next? Well, what happened next was get back to the sheep. That's what happened next. It was just get back out there. It didn't suddenly happen. And then you look at his life story, and he went through a long period of just being a shepherd and all the hardships that that involved. And then suddenly being plucked out of that and having the episode with Goliath and being raised to fame. And then all the consequences of that, the persecution and being hunted down, of almost being killed, of living as a, almost in his own way as a terrorist, being actually hunted by his own people and persecuted. He had to endure all of that. And yet God had promised, you will be the king. You are my anointed one. And you read his Psalms. I love the honesty of David's writing. He just calls out to God. And he get anger. You get frustration. You get everything poured out. But he always comes back to praising God. He pours his heart out, but he comes back to praising God. And you know it's okay. It is okay to do that. 
It's okay to even be angry and call on God, to shout out to him, to remind him, to plead with him, to keep on at him. We can do that. I know we're taught that's not good human behavior, but God actually encourages it. He wants us to be open. He wants us to keep on going, keep on doing that. And we think, well, why? Why on earth do we have to go through that experience? You know, if God can just bless us, give us the Holy Spirit, make all these happen, why doesn't it just happen instantly? Well, that phrase, why it doesn't happen, is that awful hackneyed phrase of its character building. We're all going to wince now, those of us of a certain age. I remember people saying to me, there's no such thing as a bad experience. They're all character building. Well, that statement is both true and untrue. There is such a thing as a bad experience. I've had loads of them. And they're awful, and they're painful, and they're terrible, and they hurt, and they're not good. But they are character building. When you come out the other side of them, there is something you can get from that experience. You have changed as an individual. You have grown. You have moved in a certain direction. They've had some impact. They've done something to us. And that was the story of David. What David went through was what made him the king he was. It's what gave him his maturity and his understanding and the character. And God often holds David up as a man of character because those things had been developed in him. And that's why we go through these things, is to develop these things. It's to develop these facets of the Holy Spirit. And one of them we have to develop because it needs some work is patience. And I said, you know, it needs to be worked at. How do you actually wait on God? Well, we get the practice, I think, that people think, okay, um, I'm very patient, which means I'm just quite calm and I do nothing. In my experience, it's not that way at all. You have to be active. You have to do something. Just being completely passive, you don't grow. You don't gain anything from that. You have to make an effort. Well, how do you make an effort? Well, Jesus made it very clear to us what to do, how to make an effort. He was very clear in it. And he talked about persistence and perseverance. And if you'd like to uh, turn with me, if you've got your Bible, if you turn to Luke 11 and verse 5, here Jesus was teaching on prayer. And he repeats what he said in the Beatitudes, but he's taught the disciples about the Lord's Prayer. He's just done that piece. And immediately after that, he moves on. And then he says, Then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me. I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door's already locked. And my children are in bed with me. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Jesus was saying, be persistent. Persistence is a characteristic that he wants us to develop. To persist is to continue, obstinately, firmly, expectantly. It's a pushing type of ongoing action. And Jesus furthermore carries on. And in Luke 18 and verse 1, again, he tells the disciples a parable. And you know, you often use parables to illustrate stories. Well, Luke, being Luke, explains what the parable is all about. In Luke 18, verse 1, it says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. 
He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord says, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Jesus was saying, persevere, keep going, keep on keeping on, steadfastly push on, do not give up. It's something he is encouraging us to do. It's part of our growth. I remember a few years ago talking to an ex-colleague of mine who I became very friendly with, who told me this story that to me illustrates this perfectly. He talked about his, his life. He grew up in Plymouth, um, down in the West Country, and his life's ambition was he wanted to join the Royal Marines. And he knew they were very elite, they were very hardcore, and it was tough, but he said, I want a bit of that, that's what I want to do. When he was 18, he joined up, and he went through the selection process, and he was allowed to go through the training. So even then, it's quite hard to get in. And their training is hard and it is tough, physically and mentally, because they want to weed people out. They're very strict on who they accept. And not unusual for 50% of the candidates to fail on their way through. But he wanted it desperately, so he applied himself and he worked at it, and it was going okay. He was grinding his way through and he was making it. But halfway through, for him, disaster struck. He got flu. And I don't mean man flu, he got flu. Anything that puts a Royal Marine in hospital for a week is an illness. It's serious. So he was in hospital, and when he came out, he was wrecked. But they said to him, okay, what we'll do, we'll give you another chance. We'll back class you. We'll put you back. Not quite to the beginning, but you'll go back, and you have to do it again, and you've got to work your way back up. So he said, okay, and he did it. It took him months, but he was in another class, and he had to start again, and he had to take the tests again, and he, everything he had to go through. And he did it, and he went past where he was before, and he was getting towards the final test. And then another disaster. He got badly injured playing rugby, broke his leg. Thankfully, he was playing for the Royal Marines, so they took a sort of lenient attitude to it and said, okay, we'll get you fit, and then we'll start again. So they backclassed him again. So he had to get fit, they had to make sure his leg was okay, they put him back at the beginning, and he did it again. And this time he went all the way through to the final test. Now, I don't know whether you know this, the final test is extreme. The final test says, on one day, in an eight-hour period, in full military gear, carrying everything that you need, you will travel 30 miles across Dartmoor, in eight hours, dead, no longer. That is extreme and very tough. And obviously not many people can do it. Even Marines struggle with it. But he set off and he was thinking, I'll give it my best. And he nearly made it. And I remember him telling me that he said he got to the bottom of the last hill and he could see the people at the top where the finishing line was. And all they'd done is basically get a rope and stretched it across a gravel path. And he had to get across there, and his legs gave out, and he couldn't walk. So he thought, I'll crawl. So he crawled up the hill, and then his, his body started to give up. 
And he thought, I'll drag myself. So he dragged himself up the hill. And he could see his watch. And he crawled across that piece of rope. 30 seconds late. And he thought, eight hours, 30 seconds. I have failed. And he said, his life dissolved. Everything he'd built himself up for, everything he'd wanted to achieve, everything he'd worked at, he didn't make the grade. He'd lost it. And he said he just burst into tears. And he was lying there, face down in the gravel, crying. And he said he saw a big pair of boots right in front of his eyes. And a voice said, pick him up, because he couldn't physically move. And two Marines picked him up, stood him up. And this Marine sergeant looked him in the eye and said, well done, you're a Marine. And put a green berry on his head. He said, you're in. And he was like, but I failed. And he said, I won't use the language he used, but he said, sheer dogged determination, that works, you're in. And he became a Marine. He went on to have a distinguished military career. He served in the Falklands. He even became a Marine officer. And he told me this story that many years later, he actually was a, a dinner, which was one of those events for retired service people. And he met the recruiting sergeant, this sergeant who'd done the test. And he, he said, do you remember me? And this sergeant said, yes, sir, I remember you very well. And he said, I've been dying to ask you a question. He said, well, what's the question? And he said, why did you give me the benefit of the doubt? You let me through, and I was 30 seconds late. And he said, I'll give you the same answer that I gave the recruiting officer on the day we did that test, why I let you through. He said, the Marine standard is that people cross that line. And we assume because they've achieved, they haven't reached the standard. We think they are right. And we usually are correct that it's a reasonable assumption these people have reached what we want. He said, when I saw you crawling up that hill, there was no assumption. I knew you had the character to be a Marine. And I wasn't wrong, was I? And it was, that type of endurance is what God is wanting us to do. That's extremely hard and physical. But that's what God is wanting us to do, imploring us to do. Push on, press on, persevere, not give up, keep going. Even if it's dogged determination, even if it's grudgingly one foot in front of the other, that's what we're called to do. That's how we're called to live. And God will equip us in that. And it will be character building. We will benefit from it. We will at some point in the future look back and see, oh, that's why I went through that. That's why I had to go through that. Now that could be all sorts of hardships. We don't know what they will be. All sorts of frustrations. All sorts of calling on God. God, you promised. When are you going to do it? But that's the life. That's what we go through. And it's how we go through it that is important to us. God's been impressing that to me a lot lately. And I'm sure I'm not alone in that. I'm sure in the current climate, there are an awful lot of people going through the same things, asking the same questions, putting up with the same issues. I'll just close in prayer. And I'll ask Paul if he'd like to come back and um, bring the guys up. And we'll just worship God to the end. Father, I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for the deposit you have put in us. And I just pray now for each one of us, as you've been reminding us this morning of the things that you have promised us. And I thank you for the things we've seen, but I'm well aware there are things we still are waiting for, calling out for, 
wanting so much. I just pray, Lord God, that you would listen again as we call on you and say, please, Lord, we want to see this. You have promised these things to us and we remind you again of your promises. But while we wait and while we go through the process of waiting, I just pray, Father, will you equip each one of us? Will you be with us? Will you build us up, Lord God? And will you cause us to grow, to mature, and to become more Christ-like, like your glorious Son? I just thank you again, Lord, in Jesus' name.